It makes me feel more. Are we recording already? We are recording. It makes me feel like. Tell uh, us more about your cousin. Well, don't talk about Ballarat because then I don't want everyone to cry about how I might be leaving. This is the Real Good <laughs> Podcast. My name is John Roebuck, and with me is Blake Lively Curtis. Ah, oh, very nice. And Derek in the Domino's Armstrong. Yep. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's hard. Blake so. Lively. It's hard yeah. when I have a, I had a band named Blake Live. The Blake Livelies at my thirtieth. Mm. Shout out to the Blake Livelies, wherever cool. you may be. Blake Livelies. Oh, yep, yep, yep. gotcha. It's hard to think of nicknames when there's no film. Like, is it just because you're so bad many, at it? Yeah, I'm. I'm good at everything. <laughs> uh, Year-related nicknames. Mm, 2018. That's uh, yeah. You could have called yeah. Blake 2018 Curtis and Derek 2019 Armstrong because I'm looking at the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got no. You're not. Eighteen. Yeah, what was what's what was good about eighteen? What mm. was eighteen? Yeah. Well, we're about to find out. To find out. Because this episode is called "Year Me Up, Scotty," and that's because we'll be talking about all our favourites and some of our least favourites. Did you have to do of that? 2018. Did you have to do that right after they decided to cancel Star Trek Four? Star, they did too. What the movie? <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're not oh. making the next Star Trek movie. Why? The last one, Star Trek to Beyond, didn't do that well financially. Really? I didn't yeah. like it either, but I but I think I it has to do it. with, uh, they think that Star Wars has taken all the shine uh, out of yeah. it or something like that. Yeah. But then Star Wars has lost a lot of its shine Star too, Wars so. has taken the shine out of Star Wars. My, num- <laughs> my number one movie of the year is Solo. Ooh. I'm sorry, I, I knew I should wait for the for the format and go in descending <laughs> order, but I gotta tell you. Do you know, I, I know that's a joke, but... I still think Solo is, as much as I wish that movie didn't exist, is the best movie of the new Star Wars. Yeah. Like, yeah. I... I that's crazy talk. It isn't. What, what's your favorite of the new ones? Force Awakens. Yeah, we're not gonna oh, we're not gonna go over this territory nah, again. I'm no, I Last think. Jedi for me, I think that that yeah st- that throne room scene still got me. That throne room scene's good, but there's a whole lot of movie around that. Th- anyway, yeah. we have talked so much about Star Wars on this podcast. <laughs> I presume have we? I, nah. I know I've talked a lot we about Star Wars with, with you We haven't guys. done one since Rogue One, actually. But that's yeah, that was yeah. It does. Uh, I, it comes off. Comes up when we're off. Yeah, air or it, yes. it, 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 it's just or it comes up when we're on air. Yeah, true. You know, it's, it's only it's, one way. Yeah. Does it come up when we're walking <laughs> on air? Uh, okay, because you know, time is of the essence. Yes. That people don't want to listen to us for that long. Who wants to go first? Top five films of the year. Right? Who wants to go first? Are we going fi- like five, four, three, five, two, four, three, two, one? Then worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll go first. Yep. Okay. Um, but I will start off by saying that um, I found an 11th hour change on my list. As I was driving over here, actually, I said, you know what? One of my films has not been released here yet. It only played at MIF. And I decided to exclude oh, it. And I'll, I'll tell you what it is because it'll be a number six honorary. It's, uh, everybody knows the um, Asghar Farhadi film um, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. Uh, starring Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. It's, it's magnificent, but it hasn't, been, it hasn't come out here yet. It hasn't come out in the U.S. yet. For the Has purposes the of US? this list, no, it's coming yeah. out. It's coming out here in February. But for the purposes of this list, I've decided to exclude it. So, and the part of the reason for that is to be able to give some time to my number five, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah, I saw that the other night. Which I just thought was a damn good time. It was yeah. so much fun. It was it was a visual feast like I hadn't seen in years in terms of animation and superhero films. Mm. I just thought there was so much going on but so seamlessly integrated into something that you could understand and follow. Mm. Um, I loved Miles Morales as a Spider-Man character. I loved the other Spider-Men and Spider-Women who came into the film. Nicolas Cage. That was a, I have uh, bad respect for him. It's for been a good that. year for Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a couple, not going to make my list of five, but a couple of films that he made this year that were just terrific. Um, but yeah, it's really a breath of fresh air in terms of a superhero. Actually, I think the superhero genre is actually doing quite well. The, 
right now. I agree. There's a lot of films that I really liked in 2018 that were superhero films, but this was the best of them. Yeah. The best of them. And I thought superheroes really. were on the way out for a while there, but they've come oh, they're roaring not coming back. Anyway. We were actually going to do a podcast about Spider-Man, but I never heard your thoughts on it, John, because we had to cancel. What did you... Into the Spider-Verse? Yeah. I liked it. I only yeah. went and saw it because you gave it 10 out of 10, Yeah, which is making me think, what's with your scoring system if your number five is 10 out of 10 and you haven't given five That's right. movies Ooh. 10 out of 10 this year? Well, I haven't reviewed every Have film. lying to our readers, Derek? I haven't reviewed every film on my list. Attach True. the rock of shame. However, yes, it's already attached. Uh, yes. a, <laughs> I think I don't know about you guys, but there's a peculiarity to the numerical system. Sometimes I, I'll like a nine out of ten film better than a ten out of ten film, especially as I've sat with it some more. And oh, about we know. I understand. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it's something in most the, the grappling with the score system is, is a struggle thing. that most readers and listeners. <laughs> Really can't appreciate it. It's a tough, really tough... It's a hard we, we're, We've got tough lives. Yes, yeah. we do. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. As he's wearing his sweet Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> it's, t- it's tough. Yeah, yeah, it's tough stuff. All right, Blakey, number five. My number five, again, I was tossing it up in my head as well, but I ended up going with um, a film I really liked called American Animals, which I thought was really, really good. Did you see that, Derek? I saw it on a plane. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic because, and one of the main reasons that this is in my top five is, even though I think that the film is flawed, what I really liked is that um, you kind of understood what it was like for these guys to actually live through a traumatic experience like that. So to give you a rundown of the film, these guys essentially try and steal um, a priceless book from their college, um, which is pretty unguided. Of and these animals of these a- animal paintings, yeah, essentially. Yes, yeah. yeah, and um, and so you know that you see their thought process of what it's going to be like, and it's like a smooth heist, like an Ocean's Eleven type situation. And then the reality of it is just like it really hit my heart. Like it was like, oh wow! And I really like because I think in films when we watch films, it, it, it's it's separate from reality, obviously, because it's a film. And what this film did really well was played with that concept of like we think a film is one thing. It has a particular type of logic to it, but in reality, when we go to do these things in everyday life, but how, huge but how did it do that? Do you remember the special way that it does that? Um, the, just the way that they they're dealing with it. the 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 woman pisses herself as she's being attacked. He doesn't like feel. Oh, are you talking? About I was the pointing you to a technique. Yeah, You're talking a about technique the documentary that I thought you might thing. want to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So that was the other thing that the film did, which was fantastic, is they because it's a real story. Um, it had uh, the real people telling the story, um, but then they also had actors playing the people. So you had, like, two characters, you know, you had two versions of John. You had the right, real so John. Is that kind of like American then, Splendor? Well, no, so they're, well, they're, well, they're kind of doing testimonials yeah. to the camera, but then also there'll be scenes, like, they'll be... Like the guy will be in the car in the in the passenger seat next to the guy who's actually who's playing him, yeah. and he'll and he'll say, "Is this how it happened?" And then the guy will say, "I don't remember." Do you? And he's like, "Well, this is the best I remember." And they and it's this very lively kind yeah, okay. of interaction between yeah. fiction and uh, nonfiction, and which also I liked. Yeah. and plays with memory, which was something I hadn't seen. It it was a really original concept, which is what I really liked about it. Yeah, I thought it was solid. Yeah. Hey, you want to win my number five? No, no. And that's all we have time for. <laughs> I'm telling you anyway. Okay. Uh, have you all seen? You have Blakey because I talked to you about it the other day. The Square. You didn't like it, Derek. Oh, um, yeah. I actually consider that as part of last year because I saw it at Miff last year. But um, yeah, but attach um, another rock of shame. <laughs> Do you know why I didn't like it that much? Because of the damn theater. I saw it. It's so yep. uncomfortable. Yep. <laughs> We've heard this. Complaint. It's really long too. So, but no, I think it's I think it's solid. Um, 
Fantastic. But I don't, yeah, I don't think I, um, I like it as much as those, either of you, apparently. Those two guys jacking themselves up in the Tesla to go, you know, go get that guy's phone back is just such an awesome yeah, thing. Talk about it, John. What do you look like? Director's name? What's he called? Oh, you're catching me on the spot. Because I, I haven't seen Force Majeure. Yeah, I don't remember Full his name. Full disclaimer. Yeah. But this is, yeah, this is... Um, get out. Hey, you know why I liked it, Derek? I actually can't remember because I saw it ages ago. And What about I, that great scene with the guy Not everyone back- has your memory, Derek. And, you know, you're making me feel bad and this is sort of bullying. What about the whole, like, the whole performance art angle where there's the guy who's acting like a baboon and jumping uh, around? That was actually my least, one of my least oh, favorite okay. scenes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I honestly can barely remember it, but I remember loving it um, at the time. Yeah. And, you know, this is a uh, gripping... Gripping radio, <laughs> podcasting. Uh, go see it. It's my fifth of the year. Yeah, cool. Uh, number. It really divided the people. Four. Boom, boom, boom. Derek, right. I know I, that that at least John has seen my number number four, um, and I know that John does not like his other films, but it's a uh, climax. Gaspar Noé. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! I like Irreversible a lot. Oh, okay. I don't like End of the Void, and okay. I don't like was it Sex? Is it was called Love? In films. Love. Yeah, doesn't yeah. like films. I hate films. So uh, I saw this at MIFF also, but it did get a release before the end of the year. So Gaspar Noé is a provocateur, uh, French provocateur, who makes really uncomfortable films that really push the boundaries of what you can tolerate Mm. um, in terms of graphic content and in terms of format and style. And this is no different. It features a bunch of dancers who are practicing at a practice space in the woods, in the wintry woods, presumably in France or somewhere in Europe. And they're multinational and mostly speaking French. The first half of the film is almost exclusively dance footage of them shot from above, from the side. It's amazing. Oh, that opening sequence is incredible. incredible. The it's, opening sequence yeah. is incredible too. Seriously yeah, that, good movie. I love that yeah. song as well. Um, but in the second half, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I think it's worth surprising, but it descends into a kind of madness that reminds me of the paintings of Hieronymus Bosch. It's so creepy and out there and the camera that yeah. Gaspar Noé uses travels in these impossible angles along the ceiling, along the floor. I have no idea how he does it, but it's a nightmare skate that you're put through in the second half of the film and it has these little bursts of black humor in it and you laugh despite yourself sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say something? Now, this will be uh, more gripping radio for our listeners. I'm going to turn my laptop around and I forgot to mention this before. Yeah. Derek is reading the words honorable mention climax in my notes. Uh, yeah. okay. It's my sixth of the year. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, what, did, what do you have to say about it also? Um, <laughs> John's on fire you, you tonight. Feel, you felt exhausted at the end, right? I mean, it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I think you, you summed it up. And, and I find um, uh, the, the, the subject matter suited Gaspar Noé's style a lot more. Well, I, I, I find. Uh, Enter the Void, I just found very rambling and pretentious. Sex, I just thought... Love. Was love, sorry. Please, love. <laughs> He's much boring. more classy Sex than for that. some people, yeah, love yeah. for their <laughs> others. Uh, I was boring. But I, I think, think um, you know, I had my problems with Climax, but I found it just a lot more... Oh God, interesting! What a boring way to put a film. Honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna handball it to Blakey's number four because I can't actually think of anything interesting to say about. It's really crazy, but you have to have Climax a stomach right for now. it. Let's yeah, put it that yeah. Way. It's yep. it's a crazy film, and, it, and yeah, the the opening down sequence is astonishing. Yeah. yeah, one you should see with your parents or your grandparents. Yeah, sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All the, Bring your nan. In fact, maybe uh, when you're, you're sitting down with your grandma next, Blakey, Gaspar and Noe, um, sort of uh, back to back, you yeah. know, four in a row. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, God. real family friendly. Yeah, she'll be. You get the opposite. So, so me and Blakey were talking about our um, mutual love of 
Mary Poppins today or Mary Poppins <laughs> Returns today. Yeah. Yep. Watching the feeling I had get leaving Mary Poppins Returns was the opposite of the feeling I had leaving Climax. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Blakey, number four. I'm not sure what that means. I'm going to have to sit on that for a while. <laughs> um, all right. My number four, again, another one that I found really innovative, which is why I really enjoyed watching it. Um, again, I think the film was flawed, but I just love that, you know, films are trying to do new interesting things and that was A Quiet Place. For me, I just remember when I was watching that film, in the cinema I felt like I couldn't make a noise. Like I remember biting my hand so hard because I didn't want to make a noise because I didn't want to like give away their location or, you know, whatever. And so that for me is like when I realised I was doing that, I was like, wow, they've they've come up with something new and a new uh, idea and they've and they've run with it and, and for me it, it really worked a treat does um, everyone know the synopsis of that I, I probably more or less yeah and i think in terms of yeah. time let's not do no, synopsis, no, no, not yeah. synopsis yeah. um but yeah it, it's uh, it's you know it's a probably a bit uh not what's the word i'm looking for a bit uh nice like, <laughs> you know, like the people and their like their yeah. their their motives and their feelings are, are quite they're quite you know fairy tale good people not classic fairy tale but like modern fairy tale love and happiness and all that kind of stuff. But you know, Can I, I want to tell you why everyone in that movie would be dead. Why snoring? Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you started snoring, you'd be dead. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. I, I, I like the film too. Um, I didn't love it. I saw it a little bit post hype. Did so. I review that? I did. Uh, it wasn't me. I didn't so. like it. You didn't like it at all. Uh, I thought it was okay. Have you seen Bird Box? Yes, and I didn't like that either. Which one did you I like? Bird more. Box. I liked Quiet Place more. Yeah. And Bird Box is a silly uh, number. Bird Box is still <laughs> coming up on Blake's list. Hey, here's my number four. <laughs> What's your number four? Shoplifters. Yeah. Seen it yet, but you have told me. Derek so reviewed it for me. Yeah. I saw it recently down in Geelong. Actually, shout out to Pivotonian Cinemas in Geelong, uh, an independent cinema across the road from Cadinia Park, which is uh, uh, thriving, hopefully, in spite of village cinemas trying to strong arm them. Great little cinema. Shoplifters, I felt like, uh, really captured a family dynamic in uh, uh, from an unexpected angle. Really wonderfully. Um, unexpected family, yeah. Unexpected family. Yeah. Yep. And for, for most of the running time, it was probably my favourite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Drops off towards the end. Uh, about that scene when they're they're having a nice lovemaking session in the afternoon? Oh, so good. So beautiful. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, not because it's lovemaking, but because it's just this tender moment between these. Yeah. You're a real creep, yeah. Derek. Yeah. 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 Climax lovemaking thing, the thing you said off yeah. air before. Yeah. 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 Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning a lot about Derek tonight, yeah. and it's... Uh, what it's all, it's all expected, but um, nonetheless, <laughs> awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you, John. I, I, that's just outside my top ten for the year. Yeah. It's really, really ah, great. I thought it was going to make you uh, top five. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. T- not quite. Ah, but, um, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cor- here's uh, Hirokazu Koryeda is the director Japanese, and he made a film yeah. that I loved a couple years ago called F- Like Father, Like Son. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen it, see. but I, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. planning on... Uh, you know, watching it because I like movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good number thing to, three. Yeah. Number three. <laughs> so my number three jumps into this spot um, by the benefit of a second watch. Um, and it is the Netflix film, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Mm-hmm. And it is the Coen Brothers movie from 2018, which I didn't even know was coming out until about a month before it came out. Mm-hmm. Really? And yeah. And, I, and to, to, to let you know how little I knew about it, 
I didn't know that it was an anthology. Uh, so I was watching the first film with Tim Blake Nelson as the title character, Buster Scruggs, going around and shooting people and being a bit uh, misanthropic as he yeah. says he doesn't want to be known as. And I thought, boy, if it's going to be two hours and 13 minutes of this, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this very much. I had the opposite reaction where I was like, if this is two hours and 13 minutes, <laughs> I'm going to love this. But, so then he gets shot through the head, spoiler. Yeah. Uh, and I said, what? And then, of course, I said, oh, it's there are six short films. Yeah. And after the first viewing, it was about like number 15 for the year. And after the second, it jumped up to number three because... Probably not those. enough explicit sex to make the top spot. <laughs> Derek, I think no orgasms at the camera, <laughs> as per Gaspar Noe's earlier film *Love*. Um, no, so it um, each film, each of these six shorts has something beautiful to recommend it, and they're all a contemplation of death. Um, I, I won't go into too much detail about each one because we we don't have a lot of time to 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 do that to do the justice that I would like to do at it. But it is a beautiful film contemplating our fragile existence mm. with a little bit of misanthropy, but with a lot of romance yeah. and tenderness and despair. And overall, it's just a really really captivating watch. I was spellbound the second time yeah. I watched it. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you on that. And like, I think I don't know if this story is true as well, but I was told I think that it was meant to be. The Coen Brothers wanted to do a TV series, and Netflix. That's what I heard. Netflix said, "Nah, we want you to make it into." What I heard one was film. that they hmm. didn't want people to watch the films in the order of their choosing. They wanted to make sure they watched them in this sequence of six, like this. That makes sense, and that's why they did it all yeah. as one film. But you, what you say may be correct too. Mm. I don't know, but yeah, it really, it really got to me. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. Blakey. Uh, my number three is uh, my number three is Annihilation. That no, film, I've heard of it. Oh, actually, I saw it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it, that yeah. film, yeah, again, a Netflix release. Um, and this one, I'm really proud of the story behind this. The, the producer stuck to his guns, so the producer of this film had final um, say on the edit. Um, and it, originally, whoever the studio was, I can't remember off the top of my head, might have been Paramount. Don't mm. know. Don't quote me on that. They said it's too complex. There's too much going on. You need to kind of dumb it down, essentially. And mm-hmm. he was like, nah get fucked and so they refused to release it and then he approached Netflix and Netflix picked it up and that was how that film got made. It was a shame that uh, it was released on Netflix first and I think Alex Garland, the director, uh, who's also an ex-American direct, director to watch, I think he's yeah, well, he, but he was also lamenting the fact that it wasn't released in cinemas because he shot it for cinemas and was sort of... It was uh, in the US. Just was wasn't, it? wasn't here. Yeah, wasn't here. well, yeah, yeah, and he was yeah. sort of... Um, uh, saying that he might have done things differently. But it didn't receive a wide release in the US, did it? I don't know. I don't think oh. so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, a fantastic film. And I'm still racking my brain as to what is going on in it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's one of those films that... Yeah, it's that a I sensation. It's you just an experiment. Want to keep experience, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, 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 it's stunk of hearts of darkness and... Um, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> what's, what's the other one? smell of vision? Yes. <laughs> what about that freaking bear? Oh, yeah. What's the what's the heart of darkness? It's not heart of darkness. The apocalypse now. Yeah. So, well, yeah. apocalypse now is hard. Yeah, apocalypse that's what I meant. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that uh, that was just fantastic. It was yeah. like that meets Stargate meets, I don't know. And I was just help so enthralled me. by it. Help yeah. me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm trying to give everyone Derek. nightmares. <laughs> um,. Yeah, Annihilation. I dug it. I dug yeah. uh, dug X Machina more. I think, but he's he's a cool, he's a cool writer as well, X Gallon. And he he wrote the novel of the beach, didn't he? 
Sounds is that right. the that he did? Sorry, I don't even know why I'm asking. He did. <laughs> is that the same guy? Yeah, he yeah. wrote the novel The Beach. Yeah, oh, oh, I love and it. And he wrote. Uh, How old? I thought he was young. He wrote Sunshine, wow. the, the movie. He wrote. So it's a Danny Boyle collaboration. Yeah, he, he, he's written. He's written some seriously cool movies. Like, well, well half of Sunshine's cool. Anyway, yeah. you should check out his um, uh, filmography on IMDb because he's he's responsible for some really. Uh, but he wrote uh, the book The Beach. The Beach. Yeah, yeah. Because that. Yeah. My number one three. One of my favorite films. Uh, books, sorry. My number three is Roma. What was that? Roma. 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 Another Roma. Netflix film. Roma. Yeah. Roma, Roma. We're drowning yeah, in Netflix, Netflix here. Far yeah. out. Yeah. But um, you saw it on the big screen. I did. I went to see did it. I. Jealous. I, oh, yeah, I, I should have. Blakey, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I was actually yeah. going to watch it again last night to see if I was wrong about it. And I, when I say I'm wrong about oh, it. Oh, you didn't love it? No. Well, no. I get. I would give it an eight mostly on technical merit. Yeah. Um, because I it's the most astonishing use of extras and of recreation mm. of set uh, oh. of sets from that time that I've ever seen in a film. I, don't, I would love to know how but they t- did that. Like in terms of did they just time it really really well, or like did they just kind of go with the flow? Someone didn't hit their mark perfectly, mm. you know? Like because it was just so well choreographed. Yeah. But what's your spiel on it? I want to hear what's your. You don't have one. <laughs> I'll read my review as soon as I finish my review. I. <laughs> I think it was a movie about those details. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I was reading about you know the aeroplanes that are sort of always flying ag- across the sky. I was reading uh, Alfonso Cuaron. He was sort of saying they're a metaphor for the how f- fleeting time is, or yeah. something something like that. And I didn't even care because I think those the planes worked just as details. Yeah. And it was a film full of that, which sort of. The marching band. Conveyed life Kenny in Lock. those mm. details, you know what I mean? In, yeah. in those, there was so much life in Roma mm. um, that I, 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 it was quite, such an observant film. It, it wasn't this film about, the, you know, it, 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 was, it, it was a film about the broad strokes of life as well. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, what really imbued it with life were, were those details that you'd only know if you've lived. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you would only you'd only be aware of details if you've lived. And if you're um, listening to this and haven't lived, uh, I'm impressed. Yeah, it was very interesting too about <laughs> his, de- good work. <laughs> his decision to make a, a a story about his own childhood that's not from his perspective. Yeah, yeah. it's really interesting and very generous. And but 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 her her persona is a bit muted in the film. I think that's that's a little bit of a so? concern of uh, mine. I yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I don't think so at me all. Okay. I think uh, th- there was strength in her um, the. Strength in her sub- subduity. This is mm. word is mm-hmm. it? Strength, strength in the in the way she carried herself. Stoicism. In, in stoicism. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah, um, uh, and I don't think yeah she, she was muted at all. And I, I think the strength of her performance is that she conveys quite a lot with with not very much. Mm. And I think uh, those are performances like uh, I think an incredible example of a performance like that is um, Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain, mm. who's just this monotone performance, and yet you, he, he conveys a, a great deal. And she's also not a professional actress, so yeah. Pretty, but, pretty but, I, but, but, I, but I think, yeah, she like I, I'm surprised to hear you say that, to be honest. And I also am annoyed about what I was trying to say before, like, like it's all about the little details, which sounds like such a naff thing to say about films that are trying to convey this sense of life. And I feel like it's a it's a it's a stale thing to say, and I can't think of a better way to say well, it. I think it's kind of like in that similar vein. It's like it was almost like a mem. It's like when you have memories as a child, there those. Distinct well, details well, are. I, mm-hmm. I, I think what was amazing about the details was he touched on something that was universal about life, and, and the details that he put into his films weren't necessarily the details of my life, mm. but there was something universal that I could connect about those details. I yes. recognised something about my life 
in the 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 memories that Alfonso Cuaron was trying to convey. Mm. And obviously, I didn't grow up in Roma. I have a completely different life to, to Alfonso Cuaron. And if you you know pinpoint each detail, probably there is very little crossover with his film and my film. And yet, the, yet I connected with it. I, I, I recognised, you know... Something universal. C- certain characters yeah. in the background, they reminded me of memories that I, I've lost. I don't even mm. know why they reminded me of th- certain things. Mm. You know, like... Um, Men walking past the, at the uh, in the um, uh, uh, party scene, or uh, just just so so many of these details, and they w- they weren't directly cor- cor- they didn't directly correlate to anything I've experienced, but they indirectly did. Mm-hmm. Anyway, number two, <laughs> you can better at that. Oh yeah, <laughs> my number makes perfect. My number two is a, 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 a title that I know that you guys disagree on, but I'll I'll give it a few minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. Super Troopers too. Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Which I thought, in a year where I complained about a lot of films being overstuffed, I thought this was the overstuffed film that got it all right. Um, that in- included, that is both like an angry cry against injustice and a celebration of Hollywood genre films and happy endings, mm. um, all combined together in this other kind of con- contradiction, which is uh, a black man who infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan which is a real story from the early 1970s. And, of course, he uses a, a white police officer to assist with that and be his public face. And I just thought this was one of the most entertaining and thought-provoking films of the year with a really uh, dynamite use of some real wood f- world footage at the end. And he's just the, a return of these great camera techniques that Spike Lee has always made a part of his... Um, his career, these dolly shots and this and the scene where they're listening to Kwame Touré speak and their and the and the faces are all caught in these little halos as they're watching him speak and the whole thing was just it felt like a return to form for Lee for these great films from the 20th century um, and Malcolm X yeah do the right thing mm. uh, you know I haven't seen that Lee in 15 years at least like I really love the film um, 25th Hour from 2002 but I haven't seen Lee with so much vibrancy, so much creative vibrancy, so much voice and so much to say. And, and so funny, too. It was a really funny film since then. And it just mm. it really captivated me. Yeah, I found it really messy, overstuffed. I, I, I agree. I, 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 I didn't, by, by no means, not enjoy it. But I couldn't quite see what people were raving about. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those ones that I want to revisit because, you know, I feel like I missed the boat on that, too. And I would like had to... Had you had a pretty big night or something? You, I was with you. Oh, or I had show. a big night. Maybe one, one of, of us had a Maybe we both had, had a big night. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually a good sign of things. Could have danced yeah. all night. <laughs> oh God, and the next day. Yeah. Uh, Blakey. My number two oh is yeah. your number three, Roma. 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 Okay. So, yeah, it's um, like, I think we talked about it a lot, but that, that, that film is just incredible. Even from a technical point of view of how they were able to achieve what they were able to achieve, that shot when they go into the ocean and you, they go all the way up, and they come all the way back and it's just like you just in that and it's like how how it's just an achievement and it's like already like I, I only saw it a, a month or so ago and it's one of those movies like there's some films that there are particular scenes that I just in, in everyday life for whatever reason I just remember a scene and that film has several scenes oh that yeah I constantly am just walking around and I'm like what when about uh, Quaron trying to top him himself in terms of realistic birth scenes? Uh, well, that's they had the one from Children to Men, yeah. and then there's this oh, one. Well, that, that, oh, scene, that, that, that scene is one of the ones that yeah. s- sticks oh. with me, and I oh, think how about could it. Not? Like, yeah. It's just, 
And yeah. like, like even like Joe's saying, like the attention detail, then they go away and there's the fire they're trying to put out. And even like... For our listeners who aren't aware, I am Joss. Blakey calls me Joss. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, like little things, like when they're toasting to her, the, the child's health, and then the glass breaks, and it's all just alluding to this. And the, the other scene that I always think of is the, 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 the guy talking about doing the warrior pose, uh, yeah. and she's able to do it, no one else is able to do it. And yeah. it's like... And that... The, it, I could go on for ages. It, it really... Yeah, it really... Hit a chord that one, so it was a nice one. You guys yeah. want to hear my number three? Yeah. No, my number two. Yeah, number two. number two. We already did that, didn't we? Yeah, I, I did that. Uh, you need whoa, one. Whoa, whoa. You need someone to throw. I mean, it to you. We dance. need to establish certain boundaries in our roles here, Derek. I do the number twoing. Listen, <laughs> I'm I'm auditioning for some voiceover work. I'm trying to get some practice in. Okay. Mm. I have a line of middle-aged men at the door with just as much you <laughs> who don't watch creepy sex shit. I resemble that <laughs> remark. <laughs> Uh, hey, shout out to the Hobart New Wave. My number two is Under the Cover of Cloud. Mm. A film made by... Di- I don't know if you guys see that. No. no, but I, I don't think it's been released, has it? It hasn't. Uh, no, not, not no, a, it was just I was hanging out with the DP the other day, actually. The guy who shot it. Who shot it? What was his name? Josh Aylett. Ah. Well, I went to film school. With Under him. the Cover of Cloud is a film made by a man named Ted Wilson, who won both Best Short Film and Audience Choice Award at the Real Good Film Festival a couple of years ago. I went along to see his new first feature film, which is the film I'm talking about right now. At Miffin, it blew me away. It's uh, I've never seen a, I've honestly never seen a movie like it, uh, and uh, which is a pretty rare thing. And it's a weird. Um, th- I feel like almost uh, if I'd known him better, I wouldn't have enjoyed it more somehow. Um, but having uh, having yeah like. Being slightly detached from him because I don't know him very well at all. Mm. Uh, yeah, right. So like a family, it's like a family drama. It's, or something well, like well it's, it's half documentary, half uh, half fiction. Oh, it's I didn't so, know that. So okay. it's about his own family, yep. and he is the star. So I think it certainly takes a, a certain ego to make a film like this. But I think it's a not. I don't mean ego in a in a negative way. Um, well, he's exposing himself. He's exposing yeah. himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and not, 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 not the way I expose myself. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, thank God. <laughs> and I mean, I was talking about how Alfonso Cuaron touches on the uni- this sort of universal uh, versiality. And I think Under the Cover of Cloud does as well. Something universal about family. Mm-hmm. He really, really nails. And he's not suggesting that his family is particularly interesting. I think he's suggesting that all families, when you, uh, you, know, when you know them, are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 a great movie, and I hope it gets a release, uh, uh, a release that it deserves, because a lot of shitty Australian movies are getting really uh, better releases than this, and this is one of the best Australian movies. I mean, honestly, I've given eight films, I think eight or nine films ever, ten out of ten, mm-hmm. and two of them were Australian, mm-hmm. and both uh, like I mean, Under the Cover of Cloud didn't get hasn't got a release yet, and Fell, the other one, didn't get a wide release at all, which is a fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's such a good movie, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's heartening. Like I'm not I'm not actually actually out there to actively give Australian movies or be more lenient on Australian movies. I'm I'm st- stoked, and, and and also I don't really. I think it's just nice that these there there are these Australian movies that are, I I love so much when the Australian film industry is viewed so dimly by mm. Australians, mm. and I think I don't like I'm not a particularly patriotic kind of guy. But these films are out there, which I think it's they're slipping through the cracks because uh, the systems 
flawed and it's the, the money and the attention is going to the wrong places. Well, while we're on the topic, I'll just say that in my top 20, because I have a, a much longer list, um, is another Australian film, Sweet Country, that I know you guys didn't like as much. Right. But, but that, to me, is another sign of the health of the industry yep. that films that... I gave that a nine. Mm. So that films like that are that strong are still coming out of here and not, you yeah. know. And hopefully it keeps growing, you know, and I, I really think it, it will. I'm hoping in the next 10, 15, 20 years it will become... But, I mean, the, stra- the Australian film industry ha- has been... I mean, back in the 70s, like the Oz New Wave. Yeah. There has been moments of in time when it's been great. And, like, I, I don't even care about, like like so much as like oh yes Australia is making good films yeah. it's more like we actually are yeah. and like it, it bothers me that people are saying there are shitty Australian movies because it means that there are these you know there are these talented filmmakers mm-hmm. who aren't getting the attention they deserve yeah. because the system's so messed up and I up. think that's what I agree with I agree with that concept yeah. of not being patriotic because I think a good movie should just be a good movie and yeah. so and yeah that's why I'm so because like you know a lot of these people I went to school with and I, you know, grew up with. So it's 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 nice to see familiar names now. Like yeah. another one I went to school with, Natalie James. Her feature film will be coming out in the next Who year or two. Also, won it real good yeah. last year or the year before. Oh, yeah. year she before. directed that. Yes, yeah, so, um, so Creswick. She's Kreswick. done. Yeah. She's done a feature version with, of that with uh, Emily Mortimer, yeah. who was in Mary Poppins Returns. It all comes back. Number one. Better be Mary Poppins. Drum roll. I don't know if either of you have seen this because I never saw it getting its theatrical release. Can I guess? Yes. First Reformed. John Stole My Thunder. It is Paul Schrader's <laughs> First Reformed, which John said he was going to try to watch, but I don't know if he did or I've not. I've just run out of I haven't had a time. Yeah. It's been busy. Um, and it's, I kept on waiting for it to appear. It, it was getting hyped from as, as early as a year ago because yeah. it had some film festival releases in 2017. But it got its theatrical release in the U.S. in April or something. I saw it at MIFF, and then I watched it again on U.S. iTunes in uh, November, and it's a film about uh, a preacher, Ethan Hawke, who um, is a preacher at a small church in New England or upstate New York that has almost no parish anymore because it's just a 250-year-old church and it's more of a historical relic. And he um, ends up counseling a man who's uh, depressed because he believes that the the world is going to be lost to environmental disaster. And it's about Ethan Hawke's conversion to kind of thinking about you know, will God forgive us for what we're doing to the planet? And it's like kind of a film that deals with religious issues, it deals with environmental issues, and it deals with the loss of hope um, or the the maintenance of hope in the face of certain despair. And the way it handles those issues is just mind-boggling. It's mostly extremely realistic. It's kind of considered to be slow cinema in the the style of Brisson or Bergman or something, someone like that. It has a lot of similarities to films met by those directors. But it absolutely smashed me. And Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver, has been making shit for 15 years. He made made a film called The Canyons, which was notable for Lindsay Lohan bearing Ah, her breasts about five years ago. Absolute garbage. And he's back. I mean, this you is an incredible like film. Yeah. <laughs> Bare, Bare breasts and I sorry, didn't, even I, Lindsay Lohan. You know, maybe this joke is what it's called. It's maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Um, but yeah, this film is fantastic. I hope you guys get a chance to see it. It's making a lot of top ten lists, but yeah. it's kind of MIA in Australia. I can't figure it out. But my wife tells me it actually did play somewhere. I kept on checking at Nova, and I didn't see it. So I felt I felt like I couldn't exclude it from my list. It's my number one. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, like you. Uh, my number one is another Netflix one, which is The Ballads of Buster Skeggs, which was kind of spoken about already. So my top three were 
um, Annihilation, Roma, and The Ballad of Buster Scott. Oh, so Netflix. Netflix is Netflix loves you. massive goals for me at the so moment. So what was your favourite short in Buster Scott? How much are they paying? <laughs> Not enough. Um, the, the story about the, the legless arm and... Legless and armless Beal man, ticket. and made do you know so who that actor sad. is? Yes, Blakey. Do you know who the actor? No. he was Dudley Dursley from the Harry Potter movies. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> he was. That 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 made me so sad. That story, like, and not even the climax of that story. Like him just talking about his existence. I was absolutely, and, and then yeah. just seeing like his relationship with Liam Neeson and and just feeding him and. Take you know, take him to the toilet, and it was just so sad. And and like you know, similar to what you were saying, Derek, about you know the Coen brothers wanting to show this in a particular order. Mm-hmm. It's like this this film for me was like an album. Like mm-hmm. it, they've a mo- they've created a film where they wanted it listened to it in a particular way, and because that's going to affect every story is going to be affected because of the story that you've seen yep. before it. Yep. And so they've they're it's interesting. Playing with the emotions that I have and they're enticing it. And like, especially starting with something so absurd mm-hmm. as that first one. And then even like slightly absurd with the ba- the, the bank Franco, one. And yeah. yeah. And, you know, pan shot, pan yeah. shot and pretty girl. Like that's just, it was just so iconic. And the other thing that I really loved about it was the pacing of it. Like yep. it, 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 especially the, the one with the prospect, it, it just, yep. it, it didn't. It wasn't done in a way where it was just like quick and snappy for a movie and telling the story. It's like this is kind of what it was like in the West where it was just there were long periods of nothingness and mediocrity mediocrity and like but it was just beautiful. Like the Coen brothers I've, I've often thought of the some of the best filmmakers in the world, but it, now with the westerns that they've done are just Every out of this world good every time i just try to decide which my favorite one of the shorts is i come up with a new answer i love the girl who got rattled oh. the gal who got rattled and yep. then the, the the last one too is so creepy oh, yeah which is the girl who got rattled one? that's the one with zoe kazan that's the longest uh, one where yeah. they're on the wagon train and, yeah. that, and again that got me so when they're getting mm. attacked by the indians and he takes down that last indian i got up and i was like yeah like yeah. yes Spoiler and then alert? for it to no. go <laughs> to that next moment was just it's uh, if you haven't seen this film, I yeah. highly recommend it. It's my profile pic. It's my cover photo. Yeah. I just can't get enough of this film. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. Down to the last pick. Yeah, guys aren't gonna like it. Do you know what it is, Derek? Yes, but I'm gonna let you say it. I know what it is too. <laughs> it is Super Troopers Two. <laughs> we all saw that together. We, yes, did. we did. And I had a terrible cold that night. No, but my number one is First Man, and I know you guys don't agree with me. I um. We both have titles that begin with first, and it's our number one film of the ah, year. <laughs> the first of Buster Scruggs. It's true. <laughs> um, I, I mean, we've 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 already recorded the podcast on this, so obviously all our listeners, if they haven't listened to that, they'll be rushing to listen to that after yes. this. Um, and in that podcast, we talked about how Roger Ebert uh, was talking, referred to film as an empathy factory machine. Yeah. Machine. Yeah. Fuck. Okay, so in the podcast, I remember <laughs> saying it, and I thought I said machine and you corrected me to factory. Oh. So this time I was like, tried to do the right, you know, say the right one. I don't think so. Oh, you're, <laughs> off, you're off the podcast. Man. Anyway, I... Uh, uh, you liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> yeah no, like that's a really solid film. I, I, I think Blake and I felt similarly toward it. Like we just didn't warm to it quite. Like it was something remote about it. But yeah. look, it's really, really well made. I, I just... Yeah. Uh, 
in terms of gendering empathy for this this guy who did something like I, I mean I said it in the episode of the, the podcast was you know you grow up th- thinking of Neil Armstrong as this figure and you, I mean how can you relate to something like going to the moon for the first time mm-hmm. and this film like really like can convey that to me like like you know as much as it possibly could through the medium of film medium mm-hmm. of film while I'm sitting in a cinema. Mm. I like felt what this dude was feeling, and that's why mm-hmm. like a lot of these complaints about how it didn't have the uh, uh, the flag on the uh, the moon. It wasn't about the, this sort of blow by blow. That's um, a dumb complaint. You know, re- yep. representation <laughs> of uh, the of the Apollo missions. Mm. It was about Neil Armstrong's experience, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And I'm I'm sad that uh, you guys didn't get that same experience because I was shaking after I left the cinema. It was awesome. Mm. Yeah, you know, I re- I e- even after I saw it, I said, well, this is this is a really good film, and it's going to get a lot of critical praise and it didn't really make that many top 10 lists yeah I'm really in the minority there were I I remember uh, after loving it a lot I was scaring the internet for reviews of it and I found found two I think which Mm. were as rapturous as Mm -hmm. my own and I think it's Damien Chazelle's best film by a long shot. I, I rewatched Whiplash, which I think is a good film, but mm. again, it, maybe even it's a reverse. I don't connect with the Whiplash. Like, you know, good film, well made, can't yeah. connect. Yeah. But with this film, uh, yeah, really, really um, knock me for six. It's a film I regret not seeing in IMAX, and I feel like yeah, that, that would have made a big difference in how I felt about it because I would have just been immersed in... Well, well, I mean, like, the only scene that was filmed in the IMAX format was the... Mm-hmm. But um, even just the sound and stuff. Like, I remember yeah. seeing Gravity at IMAX and, like, I, that had a profound effect on me because I felt like I was living that. I don't know. Like, it's hard to say having never, you yeah. know, seen First Man in yeah. IMAX, but, like, that's was one of my thoughts. Like, sometimes it feels like some films are meant to be... Viewed in a particular way, yeah, and um, that one was my. Uh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna do um, worst. So I'm gonna start with worst because you started. Best, yeah, you start. You? Start <laughs> with worst. Actually, no, Blake, here you go. There you go. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you can. No, you guys both. Why don't you both go at the same time? One, two, <laughs> two three. three. The Jurassic nine. Park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Jurassic World Two. Jurassic World Two. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the worst. Yeah, I didn't we saw that in Italy together. I, know. I didn't hear. I heard Blake's, but I didn't Re- hear John's. Real good went global this year, Derek yeah. and yes. me. And Blake went and saw Jurassic World. 2 I was there. You don't remember? In uh, Florence. Oh, you're that creepy guy behind us. Yeah, like, right. where are all the sex scenes? <laughs> um, my my worst was the nun, uh, and <laughs> I I find jump scares really unpleasant uh, way to scare people, and this film. Not only had a whole lot of jump scares, but it was unpleasant in so many other ways. It's it's possibly the worst time I've ever had at, this, at a cinema, wow. ever. Mm. I yeah. felt so low and just shaken, but in the ba- the worst possible sense. Like, I, I felt on edge because it had startled me all so many times. But then it was this awful film underneath it, so the startles weren't even worth it. You know, if there's jump scares in a horror movie, but it's got some sort of merit to it, then all right, I'm happy. I'm happy to cop a few jump scares, but this was just such an unpleasant, ugly <laughs> experience. Whoever is responsible for the nun, you need to stop filmmaking. It is atrocious. I went back through my real good reviews to look at all the movies I'd hated or I hadn't liked. Sorry, and and I'd completely forgotten about the nun. And then as soon as I saw my review, this, this hatred flooded back. <laughs> Quit your job, filmmaker who made the nun. You're an awful filmmaker. <laughs> Um, that was me. The Nun is a, <laughs> is a seriously ugly film. Okay, that's oh, pretty gee, that pretty resounding. Yeah. I didn't see it, so I can't comment. But don't but quit your job. Well, you, might be, you might have something else good in you. That's <laughs> like, there's a mean thing to say, 
But you, like the nun is shit, and that, that is, you know, if you make good films in the future, power to you. But you've made a seriously bad film. All right, Blake, you need to go off on Jurassic World for a minute now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, this is just, like, you know, the, with, when the first Jurassic World came out, I, I thought this. Why is this franchise still going? Like, you know, mm. like uh, it just doesn't need to be done, and, and I. Because have every franchise will always go on forever. Well, that's what. Um, <laughs> oh man, I just I'd completely forgotten about that movie, and uh, now like the, the like genetically engineered robots and they have like uh, lasers on their heads yeah, or something. Like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was cooked. Do you know what's crazy about that movie? Is years ago there was this like um, famous story that went around Hollywood of this um, idea for a Jurassic Park sequel where they genetically engineered dinosaurs and strapped like like lasers and guns to their heads, um, and. It was sort of like, and in like this, and it was a real script, mm. but it was almost a bit of a joke in Hollywood. It's like, oh god, you know, like that movie they almost made, mm. and then they fucking made it. Yeah. Which, like, that is this movie. Yeah, it was like, really, it was yeah. really bad. Yeah. It was really, really, it was bad. really bad. And it, you know, it felt like Chris Pratt knew it as well. It just felt like he phoned it in the whole time because he was yeah. obligated and they open to up, do and, it. And the ending opens up for this third movie, which uh, theoretically be, could be crazy, but yeah. who cares? Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was just yeah. And Colin you know, Trevorrow, Oof. yeah. Yeah. He didn't direct that one. Jay Bayona. It. He wrote it though. Oh, okay. yeah. And he and he, he, the idea for the third movie was his as yeah. well apparently. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and good on him. I'm, you know, all these remakes of franchises just makes me, you know, worried that they're going to eventually do it to Back to the Future, but at the moment How it they not stayed have it already? they will do. It <laughs> stayed fine and I'm hoping they'll leave it alone, but I don't Blakey like had a Back to the Future themed 21st birthday. Yeah. That's one of the first times Jono and I met. Well, no, it couldn't I've have been because you invited me. Well, I invited your, your girlfriend at the time. Oh, like your well, wife Well, well, well. I copped, I copped a full invite. Did you? You yeah, reckon you got yeah. a full I invite? I wasn't a plus one. Uh, you were a, ah. you're a fringe invite. I strolled in like I own the joint. Yeah. Are you guys forgetting that I haven't revealed my worst film yet of the year? Yeah, that's all yeah, we have yeah. <laughs> All right, Derek. It's going to be a real anti-climax to make a play on the word of climax from my earlier title. It's, it's a film I'm sure that neither of you have seen, but it does ah. bring Netflix back into the conversation. Okay. Um, ac- it, it could have been Mute by Duncan Jones, but it's not. It's a film called Game Over Man, which, <laughs> is, a, which is a title stolen from Aliens, I think. Is that the uh, one Game by the guys who are in uh, Shop Workaholics? I don't know, but okay. Andy Devine is the star. And he was actually the Adam? star... Adam Andy Devine. Adam Devine is no. Anyway, Adam someone Devine's named Devine. Five. I think oh, it's yeah, yeah, Andy yeah. Devine. Andy He's Devine. the star of a Netflix film that I actually quite liked from earlier in the year called When We First Met. But this yeah. one features him and some buddies in like a stoner version of Die Hard. Where I think they're it trying is the workaholics guys. Yeah, where they're trying to save a bunch of people who are being um, held hostage on one of the floors, and it is abysmal. All mm. kinds of awful toilet humor and bro humor. Is like it still on Netflix? Oh no, yeah. Game it over, comma, good. man, exclamation mark. Sounds it's, seriously It's good. shit, and it is my worst film of the year. There's something about like shit films on Netflix that make me want to see it more. That's, like that, there's I really something about that, that comment that makes me want to <laughs> kick you off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have time for. Well, that, like, is, that is actually all we have time that for. That is all we have time uh, for. Final thoughts. Make them quick. You? Uh, What's your name, Blakey? Yes. Uh, yeah, Netflix. Kicking goals. Love your work. And... Quiet Place in American Animals. Good, innovative kind of stuff. So, all right. overall, good year, Derek. Happy 2019, everyone. Let's do more podcasts this year, and let's have you guys stop going away for three months at a time. Oh, okay. And I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> a bit catty, but I agree with you. Where are, you. are you going somewhere, though, for three months? There's a chance I might be going somewhere for four months. Yes. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, that wishes. Well, I just said not three months. Four I, months is okay. Okay. <laughs>
Uh, that's all we have time for. This has been the Real Good Podcast. Uh, my name is John Roebuck. Thank you, Derek Armstrong. No, no problem. problem. And thank you. To, did you speak for Derek? Just yeah, I just thought uh, it would be funny. Yep. Yeah, yeah, a little, it was funny. little red herring. Ooh, I don't know if no. that's what a red herring is. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Blake Blue Curtis. Blue <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. For, for more stuff, go to realgood.com.au. And we have our film festival coming up next month. No, the month after. Soon. March the 2nd is the Real Good Film Festival. It's going to yep. be happening at Lido Cinemas. Uh, all day and a lot of the night. And it's a good festival. It yeah. actually is. I'm not just saying this because I founded it. <laughs> it, it, it. But it is a it good is, film festival. Yeah. 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 And Blakey is not just agreeing with me because he's on the team. No, but because no, like, I've been, I've watched you know, a lot of the entries and there's some really good films in there. That are and I might not be on the team, but I'm a well-wisher. Yeah, yeah. Derek's a well-wisher. So, uh, you know, make of that what you will. Thank you. Mm.